Hello and welcome to Telecom TV. We're here at Mobile World Congress 2015 in Barcelona in Spain. I'm talking with an old friend now, uh, Sandra Rivera Hello, from Martin. Intel. And first of all, Sandra, since we last met in Phoenix, Arizona a couple of months ago, um, congratulations, you've been promoted. Thank you. So very well much. done. Yes. Well done. You are now VP of the Data Center Group and General Manager of the Network Platforms Group. Now, what does that mean as far as your work is concerned? That means we develop uh, and market all of the communications uh, silicon and software ingredients that go into networks, uh, which is part of the overall data center group at Intel. So we get to leverage all of the volume server economics, uh, the virtualization technologies, and the cloud business models from cloud and data center and apply it to communications networks. Well, we're here, as the viewers know, at Mobile World Congress in Barcelona. It seems to come around every quicker every year, doesn't it? And this year, last year there were 70 odd thousand people here. This year it's thought there might be 100,000. Mm -hmm. uh, so certainly more crowded on the show floor. There's an enormous amount going on, notwithstanding the fact that you still can't get a cab for an hour <laughs> um, But anyway, that's life. But one of the, th this used to be a show about mobile phones and mm -hmm. mobile apps. Mm -hmm. It certainly isn't that anymore. We've got an intelligent toothbrush company <laughs> on the stand over there, for example. So there's a lot about network virtualization, NFB, SDN, virtualizing the network, the cloud, and so on. So it's a global showcase now, not just for mobile, but for also for IT as this convergence yes. continues. Tell us about what Intel's doing here in Barcelona. How important to Intel is this event, the Mobile World Congress, and what are you concentrating on? Well, this is huge for us, um, because as you're describing, it used to be much more of a client-focused uh, event, but there's been a realization over the last several years that in order to have those amazing experiences on your clients, you need an intelligent, programmable, scalable network. And that's where we've come in, in terms of the overall transformation that we see in the network, both from a technology perspective, an architectural perspective, but from a business perspective. And as I commented earlier, the opportunity to use a lot of the learnings from the IT data center and cloud industries and apply those as appropriate to uh, the network industry is tremendous. Uh, clearly for all of the savings opportunities from a CapEx perspective, when you have more choice uh, in the market, more interoperability of the platforms. Uh, from an OpEx perspective, in terms of automation, better asset utilization, creating these pools of compute network and storage that you can utilize with multiple tenants, multiple applications, multiple geographies. But even more exciting, the opportunity to deliver new services and applications. Um, when you have programmable computing in parts of the network that never existed. So for us, it's a tremendously important event. We love the idea that the infrastructure is much more showcased in terms of the importance to deliver those experiences on the devices and to be that integral element in the middle between the device and the cloud uh, and the content. What does Intel regard as being the most important set of business opportunities? There won't be just one, obviously, over the course of this year. And what we've seen throughout the industry recently, and we've reported on a lot, is the fact that now partnership and collaboration is very much the norm. Companies that would have been daggers drawn as competitors in the past are yeah. now working together. How important is that? Well, you know, I'm, gl I'm glad you brought that up because 
I think that too much has been uh, said about oh, you know having these industry giants from the over-the-top players and the content providers, uh, and then the, of course the communication service providers being at odds with each other. But the fact is that once you create a network that is more programmable and open, you really have created a platform of innovation. Uh, whether that innovation happens upstream with those content providers and those over-the-top players, or downstream in terms of the consumers and the end users that are able to self-provision and to, you know, from a menu of options, self-select applications and capabilities. So I truly believe that in creating this scalable, agile, uh, intelligent uh, network, that you really are creating many new business opportunities that we can't really even foresee or anticipate. If you create that environment for the innovators to come, they'll innovate. They will come. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What about the um, fact that so much more of what was traditionally IT mm. technology is now coming into the network? What effect do you think that is having? Because it's what we've seen, there's been a lot of emphasis, we've seen NFV come from nothing yes. in two mm -hmm. years. Yeah. Yeah, now it's massively important. Again, the SDN cloud, as we say, network virtualization mm -hmm. in general. Mm -hmm. There's a convergence with IT which is making a big difference. Mm -hmm. Proof of concepts of NFV networks are well underway and there are some real examples of real networking going on out there in the, in the, in the real network today working. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but what about the enterprise space. We've been looking at the carrier space. Is the move to the enterprise beginning? You know, this is actually one of the, the most exciting, uh, you know, aha moments <laughs> that, that we've had in the last uh, in the last year, which is when you use carrier grade as your design point, uh, you realize that in fact that there are many other strategic end users that you can encapsulate under that umbrella. Um, and the enterprise, and, and to use one example, the financial services industry in particular, yeah. um, is an industry that has all of the same requirements that the communication service providers have for high levels of security, high reliability, high availability, uh, low latency transactions, high performance packet throughput. And so all of those same elements, when you're designing to a carrier grade environment, apply to other industries. And so we've been very much encouraged by the amount of interest there is to deploy in an NFV model in those uh, enterprise uh, environments. And one of the other things that I think is a dynamic that helps us move faster in that industry is that much of their infrastructure today is actually based on Intel architecture. Mm -hmm. You know, there's racks and racks and so. uh, millions of, of servers that are deployed. Yeah. So this idea that you have to do any type of re-architecture of the software uh, to run on Intel architecture, it, it's, it's, it's a foreign idea. I mean, that, that is the work that we're doing, of course, in the communications networks, in the, in the telco, if you will. Yeah. But in the enterprise, all of that runs on IA today. The challenge that we've got and the work that we're doing is to, okay, uh, it's running in Intel architecture, but it's a physical appliance. How do you move that to standard servers, virtualize the workload, and run it as a, as a, a virtual instance instead? And that is a much lower um, bar, if you will, in terms right. of, of well, the you've got a head start. stronghold. Yep. And there's a lot of talk of sort of COTS yes. servers and all this, yeah. and how these are going to work. And of course, people want to buy them. Mm -hmm. They're cheaper, they're mm -hmm. utilitarian. 
uh, so it's, it's 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 a good problem to have. Yes, indeed. You also mentioned Sandra Open, and of course, as we've spoken about this several times before, open standards and openness in the way that, particularly NFE and STM, but the whole cloud thing and the new network is going along. I know you're involved with the OPNFV project, Intel OPNFV. How is it developing? I could not be more delighted in terms <laughs> of how uh, much traction that effort is going, how much genuine interest and investment is coming into the program. We launched, as you know, at the end of September, we had 37 yep. uh, member companies at that point. Well. We're up to 52 uh, member companies. Uh, we, in fact, had a, a lovely reception last night where you could feel the energy and the interest level and this desire to go faster from, as you know, where we started with Etsy on the specifications, now to OPNFE getting to the reference implementations. So we have our first uh, release on deck for April, which is a, a lot of progress to make in a fairly short period of time. But I believe there is a strong acknowledgement from the industry that you know, open standards are not going away. IETF, ITU, 3GPP, um, Etsy, uh, uh, NFV uh, are critically important to our industry, which is highly regulated, where you have to guarantee certain levels of emergency services and security and privacy. Yeah. But the open collaborative projects, um, the OpenStax and Open Daylight or, or OPNFV, really are a mechanism to innovate faster. And there's a strong interdependency and there's a, a, a lot of collaboration that's happening because quite frankly, many of the same companies and even the individuals that are participating in Etsy NFV uh, are also uh, part of the OPNFV community. So we think it, it helps accelerate the availability of commercial solutions as well as the actual deployments. Thank you. Let's move on to another issue, mobile, mm -hmm. uh, which is you know enormous, mm -hmm. often the elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. What's Intel's mobile strategy now and going forward for the next 12 months? And how many Intel-powered mobile networks do you think there will be out, will be out there, say, this year, next year, the year after? Yeah. Well, of course, uh, mobile is where all the investment is, uh, is going because of all of, of the growth. Um, we are seeing a lot of activity and investment and interest in the access network. You know, some of the announcements that were made here, uh, Alcatel Lucent talking about their uh, virtual RAN uh, portfolio uh, a year ago when we spoke, we, we had an announcement around a collaboration agreement yep. that has moved now into an actual commercial product that we'll be uh, deploying uh, later this year with real customers that are waiting for that. China Mobile, Telefonica uh, have been public in terms of their desire to deploy that solution. So. Uh, in the access network, a lot of activity, cloud ran, bringing you know, that, that cloudification of the network uh, in the access network. But also in the mobile core, you see many demonstrations, we've seen many uh, RFPs, RFIs, RFQs now for deplo uh, deployments that are planned for uh, virtual uh, EPC types of platforms, the MME, the S gateway, the, the P gateway. Um, and um, I think you, you guys have reported on SK Telecom talking about their mobile core moving to a virtualized EPC uh, in 2016. So all of this is, re is real, it's happening. Uh, the numbers, I, I don't know what the numbers are uh, exactly in terms of all the networks. In fact, one of the, one of the signs of a, a market that has momentum 
is where you're not involved in every one of those transactions. <laughs> it's sort of uh, happening on its own without us being yeah, in the middle of everything. Along anyway. but, but it's happening and it's exciting. On to another issue uh, which we haven't spoken about yet, but which is big, very big indeed. IoT, the Internet of Things. It doesn't it depends on who you read and who you believe in terms of what the analysts are saying about the connected number of connected devices that will be out there by 2020. Mm -hmm. Some say 20 billion, some say 30, some say 50. Mm -hmm. But it's certainly in the tens of billions. Mm -hmm. Where's Intel's place in this evolving sector? Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I guess a billion of anything is a lot, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Intel is very serious about uh, playing in this space and providing enabling technologies for the solution providers to, to uh, be able to innovate and uh, provide capabilities in this space. Uh, we formed an Internet of Things group, as a matter of fact, that uh, became a standalone uh, business group within Intel where there's a lot of investment, a lot of innovation happening. Uh, we see that uh, anything that computes and connects will do it best with Intel architecture. We're very excited about the, the level of market participation that is happening uh, there now. We believe that that whole Internet of Things is one of the keys to the kingdom from the service providers when they look at how do I grow my services revenue, not just save money in terms of the transformation of the network. So Intel from the Internet of Things perspective from the usage models and the use cases there uh, is really driving an end-to-end -end strategy. We made some big announcements here in terms of our SOC uh, capabilities and, and new uh, CPUs that are going into the actual devices themselves. Uh, the Internet of Things is set, it represents a set of usage models uh, that will drive more traffic and more data on the network. And of course, the network infrastructure and the cloud capabilities that we bring to the table really put us in a unique position to have an end-to-end -end portfolio of enabling capabilities for all of our customers. Interesting you said a billion or anything is a lot. Uh, a bit British television uh, a few years ago, there was a, a sort of maths program which is called The Power of Ten. And they started with a guy in a, in, a, in, a, in a rowing boat on a lake with a red hat on fishing. And it took it back ten times the power of ten. So you're on the other side of the yeah. universe. Yeah. And this is what people don't realize. We, band, we bandy these terms around. To count to a million, this is what was said in this program. To count to a million, if you could say 990,000 know, in one second, starting without stopping, without using the washroom, without eating, starting from one to a million takes four days. Wow. <laughs> that's how big it is. Okay. So, so that, it's a that's a number. good uh, order of magnitude, sort yeah. of level set. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's absolutely nothing to do with what we're talking about, well, <laughs> tangentially, but anyway, last question to you, which is sort of looking forward into the future a bit. Are there any other big Intel initiatives bubbling away out there? Big data. Um, so when you look at, again, intelligence end-to-end -end, in the client, in the access, in the core, uh, and in the cloud, uh, the ability to mine all of that data, it really is like mining gold and provide business analytics and insight and intelligence to making business decisions on the, the, all of that contextual information and the, the massive amounts of data that we as, uh, as individual users and of course with the Internet of Things uh, is generating on the network. So we really believe that in the area of healthcare in terms of uh, genome sequencing and some of the things that we're doing in high performance computing combined with, with again, big data. Um, the communication service providers, I mean there's few 
uh, industries in the world that can generate as much data as communications uh, services uh, providers when you have you know, billions of, of users of those uh, networks. And um, and we know there's something there, there, right? There, there is, uh, there is a lot of intelligence, and we believe services, capabilities, and revenue that'll generate. So I think next year, uh, perhaps when we get back together, we'll have some cool examples of things that some of our customers are doing. Well, as usual, it was a very interesting interview, Sandra Rivera. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Mark.